Hi again, everybody. Welcome to the JK Media Sports Network. This is Draft Takes. I'm Derek Young. It's brought to you by IBEW Local 98. Well, the Eagles 2021 NFL Draft is all said and done. Uh, they went into this draft with 11 picks. They come out with nine after making some moves. Six players on the defensive side. Joining me now is a guy I have a lot of admiration for and a lot of respect for. He is Zach Berman of The Athletic. And, Zach, I'm going to keep you on as long as I can because I know you're waiting for some of the Eagles players to come out. And when you have to jump off, you just have to jump off. But uh, let's start at the top. Uh, let me get your initial thoughts on them taking Devonta Smith. They moved up. They, they, they were at six. They moved down to 12. They moved back up. And they get one of the premier wide receivers in the National Football League. Yeah, the best way I can frame it is this. If you told me on January 4th, the day after the season ended, that they would draft Devontae Smith with the number six overall pick, I would have said that's a fine outcome. So to still get Devontae Smith uh, and then get that 2022 first-round pick, that's, 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 that's really good. And all it really cost them was the third-round third pick this year. Uh, that being said, or that said, they drafted Devontae Smith with Justin Fields on the board. And I point that out as a way of saying when they went down from 6 to 12, that was essentially an admission that they aren't in the quarterback market this year, right? If, if you were interested in the quarterbacks, you would have stuck around at 6. Right. But the, the conversation is different. They trade up to 10. Justin Fields is on the board. I personally think I, I would rather have Justin Fields than Jalen Hurts as my quarterback going forward. And nothing is more important than figuring out the quarterback position. They don't appear to have that calculation, and and and, uh, and and so that's my only reservation with the pick. But getting Devontae Smith, that's a terrific outcome because we've all seen it with our eyes. He is an exceptional player. The only issue you would have with him as a player is the size. Yep. Um, but if, if you're going to go with a player who's an exception, you want him to be exceptional, and he's been exceptional. Does he automatically become the number one receiver in this court? He does, although that says more about these wide receivers than it does Devontae Smith. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, no, but on, on, on most teams, a player like that would, would be high atop the depth chart. You know, what he did at, at Alabama was historic, right? He, he won the Heisman Trophy. He's been productive um, these past few years. Uh, he does everything you would want. So I think that he, he, he makes the offense better from day one. All right. Now, with that said, you're looking at an offense that's going to be very interesting. Um, you finally have a receiver who can stretch the field. Uh, they drafted Jalen Rager in the first round last year. He was supposed to be a speed receiver. Didn't really pan out. Couldn't get separation. Never never became the receiver we thought he was going to be. Uh, and then he had a Quez Watkins. Then he had a John Hightower. It's hard to determine exactly what the Eagles are trying to do with the wide receiving core because it seems like they keep spinning their wheels. It hasn't panned out with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Uh, Greg Ward is a solid slot receiver, but he's not that game changer. So it's hard to determine exactly what they, they're, they're trying to do or what their perception of a wide receiver is supposed to be within the structure of their organization. That's a valid point. I, I would say that it's obviously not ideal to take wide receivers in the first round back-to-back years and to take a wide receiver in the first two rounds, three years in a row. But, and I, I've, I've said this before, I said this when I was on with you a few weeks yep. ago, when the Eagles were making this pick, they couldn't pay attention to the depth chart. They couldn't pay attention to the, to the previous investments. They simply need to look at who's the best player, who is the best chance of being a blue chip player. And Devontae Smith fits that criteria. So it's not the best allocation of resources. And they would tell you the same thing. 
But if he has the chance to be a special player, you do it. And I also think his presence will help Jalen Rager. I don't know if it'll help JJ Ortega Whiteside. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I don't know if there's more to see from Ortega Whiteside, to be frank. But uh, in Jalen Rager's case, I, I think he slots now as your number two guy. Uh, that's probably a better fit for him than what they were asking him to do a year ago. All right, let's go to pick number two. And of course, at this stage, we're thinking, okay, you know they're going to get some defensive help. They're devoid of defensive help in the back end, the linebacking position. But, oh, no, Howie Roseman being Howie Roseman, he decides to take an offensive lineman, a center, who has a laundry list of injuries coming out of college. And you're thinking, what the heck is the significance of the move here? Could you figure it out? Well, I understand it in in the sense that he was viewed as a first-round caliber player, right, without the injuries. And we'll get to that in a second. Um, And then off, you know, off, off the field in terms of the makeup, the intangibles, has everything you want there. It can be a culture setter in, in, in your building. Um, I don't like the expression that, well, without the injuries, he'd, he'd be a first-round pick because the injuries right. are, are, are there. You can't That's dismiss right. it. Uh, but it becomes a, a value proposition. At, 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 at number 37, they were looking at it, and, and they said, this guy has the chance to be special. And it's, it's hard for me, it's hard for anyone on this side of the conversation to really assess the medical because, you know, that's, that's proprietary information. You're, they're doctors, uh, their medical staff, their, their training staff, they're all looking at that. Uh, but uh, you can assess the risk. And I think that there were good players available at 37 who, had, who were cleaner. Um, whether you're looking at the Notre Dame linebacker, Jeremiah Awuso-Karamiah, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, that was what I did. Uh, 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 perhaps Asante Samuel Jr., depending on what you think of him. Uh, the safety, Trayvon Morig from TCU. There were good players still there. Um, but I, I don't have an issue with them taking Landon Dickerson at 37 if they think this guy has an all-pro ceiling because it's hard to find blue-chip players. Um, my reservation is, is more I think the alternative might have been a bit cleaner. I guess it's safe to say also that if you're going to take a center, it's not bad to take one in terms of, you know, uh, Jason Kelsey is going to call it a career sooner rather than later. And who better to groom under than a Jason Kelsey? Sure. And and also he can play guard, too. And if, yeah. If, yeah. If, if you wrote down the best players on this Eagles roster, Jason Kelsey and Brandon Brooks would be pretty high up that list. Yeah. I don't know if either one of them will be on the team in 2022. So uh, Landon Dickerson is is going to start uh, in 2022, most likely. Uh, and then this year, we've seen every year the Eagles have to go to a backup lineman. I, I don't have an issue with them taking a guy who doesn't have a, a day one starting job. A matter of fact, I think more of the issue is if the Eagles forced that pick because they needed, a, say, a starting cornerback. You're looking at, at value, and you hope that the value meets need. This is certainly a long-term need. Um, the, the, the question is, is it worth the risk? Now I'll frame it this way in 2017, they took a player they thought was a first round caliber player in the second round in Sidney Jones. Exactly. Uh, and he had the injury risk and it did not work out. But in 2019, they did not take DK Metcalf in the second round because of the injury concern. And we, and we all saw how, how that turned out. So it can work both ways. It really comes down to your tolerance of risk, what your medical staff is saying. Um, but it is a risk, and I do think there are al- alternatives that were less risky. All right. In round number three, they decided to take a tweener, uh, a guy who played defensive end and defensive tackle, 
And, you know, for a guy who's only 283 pounds, I don't see him being a defensive tackle in the National Football League and Milton Williams out of Louisiana Tech. Was that the right move to, 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 to address the trenches? They need help up front. But again, they still need more help on the back end because you look at the wealth of receivers they're not just going to face within their division, but on their schedule in general. And you look at the, the secondary right now, that's a huge cause for concern. Well, yes, the the cornerback um, depth chart is a is a cause for concern. I'm 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 not dismissing that, right? But I I don't think they should draft this year for their 2021 lineup. If they think Milton Williams can become uh, a a starting caliber defensive tackle, that's that's a premium position. And um and from all indications, I mean the athletic profile is very impressive. He was a productive player. Uh, I I don't have an issue with the player per se. What jumps out to me is, is we all saw during the draft what was going on inside the draft room, and I don't want to read lips, but Howie Roseman even said that, that you know, when they traded back, um, there, were, there were people in the room who had their favorite players, and those players might not have been on, on the board with the next pick. Um, and my objection is, is with the process, and this is what we spoke about last time. Obviously, you're never going to find a consensus. Um, but you, you don't want a situation where you're making a trade and you miss out on somebody that you want because the very reason why you make a trade is if you have players stacked in the same tier and you're okay with all outcomes. So if there's an outcome in the trade that you're not happy with, then you shouldn't have made that trade. Um, again, I'm not in the room. I don't know the particulars. And yeah. Milton Williams might very well have been the best pick there, but I am curious about the process in that situation. Okay. You were talking about is still getting a lot of play, a lot of discussion. Of course, after they make that third round pick, we get a sneak peek inside the Eagles war room. We see Howie Roseman walking around fist bumping a lot of his personnel in there. He gets to Tom Donahoe and Tom Donahoe gives him a half-hearted fist bump and looks kind mm -hmm. of dejected. Now, obviously, we don't want to blow things up too much, but on the surface, how did you perceive what you saw there? Well, I, I, I perceived it as, as something that is common in draft in draft situations in that, you know, I, look, it, that was real. Oftentimes what you see is the sanitized version. Everyone's standing there clapping after, after, after a pick. But as you and I both know, there are real conversations, real emotions that occur in the room. But with the Eagles in particular, uh, and I don't think it's unfair because I've spoken to multiple people about yeah. this. The process is something that has come into question. Uh, the, the, the collaboration, uh, hearing different voices, setting the board, following the board, things of that nature. And again, I don't know if they deviated from the board. I don't know what, what or if there was an issue. But uh, we all saw what was going on in that room. And Howie Roseman, to his credit, uh, acknowledged that there was, you know, there were emotions in that moment. And that 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 is alarming because of the trade back situation yeah. you traded back three spots to get the extra sixth round pick if you traded back in the third round to get the sixth round pick and you missed on someone you wanted then i would say that's a bad process because like i said you don't trade back unless the uh, unless you're okay with all outcomes in the trade all right they go to round number four and they finally finally decide to take a cornerback they get zach mcpherson 5'11, 195 pound cornerback of texas tech uh, the one plus about this guy, even though you take him in the fourth round, is uh, he knows how to play pass defense because in the Big 12, 
That's all they do is throw the football sure. in the back in, in the Big Twelve. Sure, you're right. And 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 as as we've discussed, he's he's gonna have a chance to play right away. Uh, whether it's on the outside, whether it's in the slot, has has a good athletic profile. Yep. Uh, had 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 production at Texas Tech. Seemed to be a good spot to draft him based on on you know what what people who study this say. Uh, so I'm I'm fine with the pick now. Uh, like we said, if if you wait until the the fourth round for a need position, you have to live with the fact that is he playing because he's ready or is he playing because you're forcing it. Um, right. That is a, a a question that is it's it's a real question at this point. But uh, but I I think it's a fine player. All right, now you look at the secondary the way it stands right now. You have Darius Slay. To me, he's getting up in age. Um, and I thought he had an okay season last year, but not a season we thought he was capable of having in 2020. Rodney McLeod on the back end is coming off a major ACL tear. They brought in Anthony Harris, but on the other side, you're looking at Avante Maddox. So give me your comfort level with what we're seeing with the secondary right now. Uh, not particularly comfortable. You know, cornerback okay. is, is, is a problem. Uh, I, I think it's, it's, you know, now McPherson might come in and prove to be ready to play day one. I think Avante Maddox is best in the slot or even as a deep safety. It doesn't appear they're right. going to use him at, the, at deep safety, but I don't think outside corner is the spot for him. So you need to figure that out. Um, Howie Roseman said last night that, you know, they're not playing till September. And, and it's true. I think back to 2017, the cornerback depth chart did not look good this time of year. It did not look good, frankly, in July. Uh, they traded for Ronald Darby. Uh, during training camp, they go on to win the Super Bowl. So there are still things the Eagles can do to address that depth chart. I don't think you need to have that figured out on May 1st. Um, but you're right. There are multiple spots in that secondary where there are question marks uh, and, and safety with Ryan McLeod coming back from his second ACL in three years. Uh, and they, they did not prioritize those spots in the first two days of the draft when they had opportunities to do so. Day two was it, it, it fit the way they want to build long term. They want to build along the trenches, but it did not help the 2022 depth or the 2021 depth chart. All right. Do you think there's a possibility that the Eagles could go after some low level veteran players to help fill some of the gap in the road? I mean, they're handcuffed because of their cap restraints. Mm -hmm. And number two, the cap didn't move as much because of the COVID situation. Yeah. And obviously, the league lost a lot of money. Yeah, I, I, I do think they'll be opportunistic. I, I also think they're going to go into this year recognizing that this, this roster is not built to be a Super Bowl contender this year, right? Now, maybe they have guys who, who develop quicker or who are, are, are better than they've played so far, and they compete for the division. And like we discussed last time, if you're good along yep. the lines of scrimmage, you're, you're, you're going to be good. But yep. I, I think if you speak to this front office, you speak to these coaches, and they're being completely honest with you, they know they're going to go into the season with perceived holes. Uh, and it's just the nature of their cap situation and some of their roster decisions to date. Do you think 2021 basically is a, a process year for the Philadelphia yes. Eagles? Is that, how, is that the best way to describe it, a process year? Never going to come out and say we have conceded defeat this season because of the situation we're in. But those of us on the outside looking in, is that, is that the best way to perceive it? Absolutely. They're starting a quarterback who has four career starts, who is a second round pick. Um, you know, they they did very in free agency. They did not sign anyone to a multi-year deal. Right. Everything was uh, was a 
a, a one-year deal to preserve flexibility. They they traded back from six to twelve to get a first-round pick next year. Um, they have ten draft picks next year. You know, they traded a six and a seven today for a fifth rounder next year, which was a good trade. Um, but what they've done cap-wise in trading Carson Wentz, taking it on the chin now uh, with some of these draft pick trades is they're trying to build this roster for 2022 and beyond. Now, that doesn't help you when you have guys like Jason Kelsey, who might be in his last year, and Brandon Graham and Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson, who are um, who have fewer years ahead of them than behind them. Uh, but I think if this organization is being honest, and, and, and by the way, they've said this publicly. Jeffrey Lurie called this a transition period. Uh, yep. This is a, a year when they are transitioning from the core that they had to what they hope is going to be the next core. All right, so now we get to the fifth-round pick. And to me, outside of Devontae Smith, this was my favorite Eagle selection of the entire draft. They pick up Kenneth Gainwell, a running back out of Memphis. Mm -hmm. uh, he might be a little bit undersized, but he can do a lot of things like Miles Sanders. He can take it to the house at any given moment, and he's an accomplished pass catcher out of the backfield. Yeah, a real good player who was a freshman All-American in 2019, opted out last year. Uh, but frankly, when you're looking at the running back position, you, you want a guy – who has more tread on his tires, right? Who, who doesn't have the wear and tear of a four-year starter somewhere else uh, is a player who was not expected to be there in the fifth round. Right. I don't think he's, he's built to be your ever down back, but they're not directing yeah. him to be their ever down back. So from a complimentary player, I think he can be an upgrade over what Boston Scott was. He can catch the ball. Uh, you have him and Miles Sanders in the, in, in the backfield. I think when you look at what Hines did yeah. in Indianapolis for Nick Sirianni, if he can become that type of player, that's a good outcome for the Eagles. All right, so we get to the uh, sixth round. The Eagles going with four picks in that round. They come out after making a trade with Washington with three picks, and this is where they start to have a run on nothing but defensive players. And they pick up – I'm still trying to get this one right – Marlon Tuipoluto, the, the D-tackle from USC. Mm -hmm. um, he can play the nose or the three technique. Which is what the Eagles – well, we can't say what the Eagles like to have because the coaching staff has changed. But we assume this is what this new coaching staff defensively likes to have versatility along that defensive front. Yeah, and and I'm, I'm sorry to tell you I'm going to have to hop off after, after this question here. Okay. I'm sorry. But, uh, right. but yeah, no, I, I agree with you. If, if you look at him, uh, he's, he's more of a run defender, which is probably why you're finding him on day three of the draft. Yep. Uh, but uh, he he's 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 a good player, and if it's a type of thing where if you knew you were going to get him in the sixth round, maybe your third round pick would have been a little different, right? Maybe they take a, a corner in the third round. But if you're just looking at it based on value, he's good value to get where they got him because uh, he he was first team All Pac twelve. Yep. He has the size, and if he can be a rotational <clears throat> defensive tackle, play on early downs, and you get that in the sixth round, and you get him on a fixed rookie contract, that's a good outcome. All right, uh, Zach, go yeah, do, yes, I like that one. Go, go, go do what you got to do, man. I appreciate you hopping on, and uh, we'll talk to you again down the road. I'm showing a lot of different platforms. Anytime. Thanks for having me on. All right, brother. And, of course, uh, we say goodbye to Zach Berman, and we bring in the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> so I'm, not sure, I'm not sure, D-Gun, I can fit into the shoes of Zach Berman. Great stuff and, <laughs> and, and, and great analysis from uh, from you and Zach. And, and throughout the entire draft – uh, draft takes with Derek Gunn has covered all 
has really covered all angles uh, of the picks, of the front office, of the yeah. collaborative that was going inside. Uh, really, really good stuff. I want to try and stay on point. Uh, I'll put you in the expert chair. Let me man, and I'll manage some of the uh, Q&A just so we can uh, finish up. And then I want to get some thoughts. Uh, I want to get some specific thoughts uh, from you, as you said, with Zach uh, coming at uh, picking it up out of pick one eighty nine uh, with Marlon Tuapaluto out of USC. Uh, the one ninety one pick was Taron Jackson uh, out of Coastal Carolina. Now I saw some uh, tweets that were put out there by our NFL insider John McMullen. Some other conversation uh, around uh, that. We're going to like Taron Jackson. We don't know much about him, um, but he fits into a word now uh, that you can attribute to Sam Hinkie. The process has yeah. officially been declared. Well, you know, Joe, a lot of NFL teams are never going to tell you everything they're trying to do. But I will give the credit uh, to the Eagles for this. They have been transparent in this regard, saying they know that this is going to be uh, rough sailing in 2021. Um, we are financially strapped. We understand we have to get younger to get better. And when I look at this kid, Taryn Jackson, the first thing I think of is a Vinnie Curry clone in the sense that he's a shorter version of Vinnie Curry, but he comes off the edge very well. He had 18 and a half sacks over two years. Now, granted, he's playing in Coastal Carolina. They're not playing against the best competition uh, out there. But then again, Vinnie came from Marshall. Marshall wasn't what you would consider a powerhouse school and playing in a powerhouse conference. And Vinny has had a very productive career uh, in the National Football League. So I think he's capable of doing that. A little bit smaller at 6'2". But, you know, you look at a lot of teams now, they're going to these smaller, lighter edge rushers to try to get to a quarterback quicker, force a quarterback to do a lot of things they don't want to do sooner. So, you know, for me, with this pick, it's a wait-and-see issue. When you look at the fact that the Eagles picked up, what, four? Uh, guys in the trenches on the defensive side of the ball, as Zach Berman said, what they're doing right now is loading up on depth and hoping to get these guys experience to make them even more productive in 2022. And if they do have three first-round picks, we have to assume that maybe one or two of those first-round picks in 2022, depending on what this organization thinks they need when they sit back after the upcoming season and analyze every position on the football field, they could add even better quality of talent on the defensive side of the football in 2022. You couple that in with some of these young kids now getting some valuable experience in 2021, and you, you have a much brighter outlook moving forward in the immediate future, not the long-term future. You know, Gunnar, when that pick was made, I immediately went back to uh, process the conversation that you had with Brandon Graham uh, yeah. earlier here on, on round number three. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to wrap my arms around a 33-year-old 33 33 veteran like Brandon Graham playing on a football team that I don't want to say is essentially throwing up the white flag, but it appears that way. You look at a Brandon Graham, Brandon Graham can still be very productive, even at this stage of his career. And, and, and Brandon is motivated because he has a new coaching staff. And as he told me, the defensive scheme this year is going to be along the lines of a 4-3, 3-4 hybrid type defense. And he said when he talked to the defensive coaching staff, he was excited about 
how they might try to utilize his skills. Now, I don't know if that means more standing up and rushing on the outside, more a hand in the dirt and, 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 and you know, getting a power move coming off the edge with his hand in the dirt. But Brandon Graham seems to think that he can be just as productive as he has in recent years. Obviously, he also knows he's near the twilight of his career. And he said, you know what, you're going to have to drag him kicking and screaming off the football field. He doesn't want to just quit playing the game because no team out there thinks that he still is a valuable asset. He wants to make sure when he leaves this game that he has left everything possible on his field. The one thing I love about a Brandon Graham is he is constant positivity, constant sure. energy. And those are traits that you can pass along to these younger guys. And now that you have four new young defensive linemen coming in here, who better to learn to make that transition from uh, going from the college ranks to the pros than a Brandon Graham in terms of how he handles himself in the locker room, in front of the media, and around his teammates, how to stay positive no matter how bad things may look in any given moment, uh, and always be a positive influence wherever you go. What a great mentor to have in a locker room for the next wave of young guys coming up. Nine picks today, or nine picks total, uh, taken by the Philadelphia Eagles. Six, as you said earlier, Gunner, uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Let's cover the last two, um, and then I've got two questions for you um, before we get out of here uh, at the top of the hour. Okay. 224, Jacoby Stevens, safety out of LSU. Uh, you've talked about uh, Darius Slay, uh, and then the cabinet is empty. I'm immediately thinking uh, when Jacoby Stevens is drafted, I'm thinking, oh, my God, I wish Jalen Mills uh, was still uh, was still an eagle uh, going into uh, 2021. Well, hopefully Jacoby Stevens is a better version of Jalen Mills. And that's not a knock on Jalen Mills because Jalen Mills was a late round draft pick also. And he carved out a decent career from him. And he just parlayed that into a nice contract with the New England Patriots. Uh, you look at Jacoby, he comes from a university that has a long line of history of turning out good defensive backs, whether they be cornerbacks or safeties. So they know how to groom players down there to play at the next level in the National Football League. Now, because you have – we hope Rodney McLeod is coming back 100% off his second ACL tear. You have Anthony Harris that you brought in by way of free agency, so he has that buffer there where he doesn't have to come in, hit the ground running, and play right away. And hopefully he's a quick study and learns the game well under these two guys who have been around the league for a long time, and that will uh, expedite uh, his ability to be considered – a viable option sooner rather than later. But, you know, because of where he came from, I don't care about the fact that he was a sixth-round pick, but because of the fact of where he came from and the football program that he came from and how they turned out, they've turned out defensive backs from where he came from, um, I like the fact that this young man has the potential to step in eventually, if not this year, maybe next year, uh, for this organization. Uh, pick number 234, Gunner, linebacker out of uh, Tulane, Patrick Johnson. Uh, what's, what, were your, what are some of your original or some of your initial thoughts about Johnson? Well, here's a kid, 6'2", 240 pounds. It, it's, it's still yet to be seen what he is to the Eagles organization. Is he an outside mm -hmm. linebacker? Is he an edge rusher? Uh, there are those who believe that he can be a solid backup in the National Football League with the potential – to eventually be a starter a couple of years down the road, all right? So, again, here's a guy who may come in here and he may do nothing more than play special teams if he makes the team. Play special teams for him right now. Maybe get a few snaps here and there. 
Uh, the Eagles have to test him out and, and, and see what he's better suited at. Is he better suited at coming off the edge? Is he better suited at playing the outside linebacking position? I like his size. It takes 6'2", 242 pounds. Uh, he's got a 30-inch uh, wingspan, you know, 30-inch arms, which are like almost like, you know, offensive lineman type arms. Uh, he's got large hands. Um, he's a, he's a good at, he's good at the point of attack. He can hold his own and taking blockers head on. Not the not the most fleet of foot of guy in terms of shedding blockers and going down the line of scrimmage and tracking down ball carries. But then again, there are a lot of good players in the National Football League that don't have great lateral speed, but they're good at what they do. It depends on how he's coached up. If he gets the right coaching, he could be a success story, a late round success story in the National Football League. And when you consider almost 70% of rosters are comprised of draft picks from what, the third, fourth round on in the National Football League, you have to find some of these diamonds in the rough. But again, it goes back to coaching. How will this guy be coached up? Get him the proper coaching. He might be that diamond in the rough who can help this team significantly down the road. Draft takes with Derek Gunn, presented by IBEW Local 98. We'll go rapid fire uh, with Gunner before we wrap it up. I do want to let everybody know uh, we'll be back live again around 8.05. NFL insider John McMullen uh, will bring us all of the recap from that final press conference uh, before Howie starts to drink tequila tonight, which he mentioned last night for some, <laughs> uh, for some reason. But, Gunner, let me go rapid fire, get a couple of quick thoughts from you. Um, before we say goodbye um, uh, on this draft takes coverage uh, with Derek Gunn, which has been phenomenal the last three days. Great stuff uh, from uh, you, Gunner. Where did the Eagles lose the draft this year, uh, in your opinion? And I preface that by saying, boy, after round one, yeah, everybody was celebrating on the pick of Devontae Smith. I thought they lost it in round two. Um, any other year, taking a center from Alabama is not a bad thing. And I understand uh, he's had the injury history, but I thought it was more pertinent that they address the cornerback situation. There were still some good players on the board um, and, and a player that could have played sooner rather than later for them. Um, I, I just thought they should have addressed that position a little bit sooner. No, but they waited until the fourth round until they address, addressed the cornerback situation. So you draft a player in the second round who's not basically going to play for you unless Jason Kelsey gets hurt. And even if that's the case, you may end up moving Isaac Sayamalu over to the center spot and inserting somebody else in the guard position. So I just wish they would have addressed that cornerback spot earlier in the draft. Gunner, let me ask you about Jalen Hurts. This is, you heard Zach Berman say it. Everybody has said it. This is the year that Jalen Hurts gets to prove that he can be the starter on this football team. Now, if you don't have the weapons, yeah, how much of a chance or how fair is the opportunity? Well, you got to have the weapons, and they gave him a great weapon in Devontae Smith. Um, you still have a young core of wide receivers. I like Quez Watkins. We've only seen a small sample of him, but I love his speed. Hopefully he's utilized more. I like Greg Ward in a slot. I think Greg Ward is similar to a Golden Tate. Sure-handed, physical, can make the difficult catch, pick up the necessary yards. I used to call him first down Greg because it seems like every time he's catching a pass, he's picking up a first down. Uh, John Hightower has a long way to go. Uh, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, I think, I hate to say this, because as a young man, I like him as a young man, but I think uh, that project is just about said and done. 
Um, so I, I, I think J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is what he is. Um, and, and I don't know if he's going to be any more than what he is with this particular team. So they have a nice core group of receivers there. Now, if, if Devontae Smith is everything we expect him to be, that guy that can stretch the field, that guy that can open up the play-action game for them more so, uh, then I think the overall receiving core is going to be that much better in 2021. Getting some great comments uh, from all of our viewers uh, watching the Philadelphia Eagles 2021 NFL Draft uh, recap. I wish I could put them all up on the screen, Gunner, uh, and have you uh, react to them. All good, legitimate, valid points. Uh, somewhere in the equation over the last three days, Howie has lost the room. Um, and I take you into the room uh, on Friday night uh, and that exchange with Tom Donahoe, um, and that didn't look good. Now, I know you talked about it already. What do yeah. you make of What do you make of it? I don't want to read too much into it because there's always tension in a draft room. And, and, and let's face it, there are 32 draft rooms in the National Football League, and in all 32, at any given moment, there is discussion and sometimes the heated discussions in terms of which way they should go. On the surface, when we look at that video, it looked like Tom Donahoe, who I've known for a long time, when Tom was with the Pittsburgh Steelers and I was working for NBC in Pittsburgh, I know what kind of a talent evaluator Tom is. I know how intense he is about drafting players and building teams the right way. It appeared on the surface that he was not happy after the Eagles made that third round pick. And all of a sudden that video blew up. Everybody's making all these speculations. I don't want to make the speculations in terms of uh, what exactly he was thinking. I'm not a lip reader, so I couldn't tell you exactly what he was saying. Uh, as well to Howie Roseman, but you can tell body language, you know, Howie's standing there going, what, w what's wrong? You know, so um, I, I think when it's all said and done, they'll sit down, cooler heads will prevail. They'll go over what they did, what they possibly could have done better and move forward as a united front. I think in, in Paul Domowicz's answer to your question about uh, in terms of conversation about Howie, um, and, I'm, and I'm paraphrasing, so correct me if I'm wrong, but he seemed to indicate, Derek, that not this season, but if they can't get it done or become a legitimate playoff contender getting into 2022, then maybe at that point is how his job is uh, – is perhaps in jeopardy. I don't know if that's ever the case, but that seems right. to be, I think, what Paul said. I think he's on a hot seat, and rightfully so. Mm -hmm. When you look at his draft history, for every hit that he's had, he's had more misses, and now they're starting over. So now Howie's been giving, uh, given a reprieve, so to speak, to try to rebuild this thing in the right way. All right, so you had nine, you'll have nine draft picks joining your team this year. Again, because of uh, your cap restraint, you can't go out and spend money at an open market like we've seen Howie uh, do in, in years past. So it's going to be a bunch of kids learning along the way. If you see continued progress with these young players throughout this season, then that's a good thing knowing that you're going to have three real premier players adding, added to this team again in 2022 and keep building upon it like that with a young uh, core group of players. If these players bottom out, um, then obviously Jeffrey Lurie has to sit back and take a serious look at what Howie's done and what he didn't do again in this draft 
and make a definitive decision in terms of are we better suited moving forward with or without Howie Roseman? I know, uh, and you talked about it, Gunner, on May 12th um, at 8 p.m. The NFL will uh, officially release uh, the schedule, uh, the times, the matchups, the networks, uh, and all of that. I think the best way to end draft takes with Derek Gunn um, and put the, and put a bow on what has been a spectacular three days across the Jacob Media Sports Network YouTube channel um, is to ask you to provide your draft grade for this uh, for this football team for this process. I'm going to go C plus right now. I love the first round pick, uh, the second round pick. I think it will uh, benefit this team down the road but they didn't need something down the road at that spot. I thought they needed something right now to help them moving forward this year, especially a young, talented player who would grow into his position this year with valuable playing experience. Um, As far as the other picks, uh, it's a wait-and-see issue with a lot of these guys because we really don't know how many can make that transition to the pro level. As I said to Zach Berman, I love the fifth-round pick, uh, Kenneth Gainwell. I, I think he's going to be a great compliment to Miles Sanders and uh, Jordan Howard in that backfield. But outside of that, you know, we see that they added four defensive linemen. Let's see how many of those guys play. So I'm going to say a C plus right now. One of our uh, one of our um, active participants in the in the uh, chat today uh, pointed out that uh, Gainwell is a great name for a running back. Uh, yeah. and, 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 and indeed it is. Um, as we bring our draft takes, uh, draft takes with Derek Gunn uh, to a close, um, I do want to remind everybody listening um, to subscribe to the Jacob Media channel. Why? We're giving away not one, but 10 Devontae Smith jerseys, um, taken 10th in the opening round, you must be. You must subscribe to the Jacob Media Channel. Uh, we'll have all of those details uh, on the twelfth uh, of May. Uh, and Gunner, I'll put a jersey aside for your uh, for your grandson, sir. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> uh, last minute, sir. I, I know you want to say some thank yous to all your guests. I'll give you the time before we close it out. Yeah, you know what? Uh, it, it, it's always humbling to know that you can uh, pick up a phone and call people. Say, hey, here's what I'm doing. Uh, would you mind hopping on with me for a minute? And they all say, hey, you know what? No problem. So, you know, guys like Barrett Brooks, uh, Brian Westbrook, um, Brandon Graham, you know, Zach Berman, Paul Domowich, uh, and, and hopefully I, I, I'm not leaving anybody out. Well, your you're, 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 you're partner in day two, Tim McManus. Tim McManus I'm glad you said that. Woo, Tim McManus. Um, you know, so all of these guys, I can't thank you enough for jumping on with me and talking what we like to talk about best and what we do for a living, talk football. You know, what a blessing it is to 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 be in a job uh, venue where you, you're talking about a sport you love watching and you would watch it anyway and you get paid to talk about it. So to all of you guys who, who came on, uh, thank you. You know, you always know that if you ever need me, I'm out there for you. And, and Joe, thank you as well for having me on and allowing me to have a platform here on the Jacob Media Sports Network. This is, or this was, or this will always be, (laughs) Draft Takes with Derek Gunn, presented by the IBEW Local 98. Thank you, Gunner. Thank you, brother. All right, good stuff.